All right. Hello, everyone. This is another episode of Ordinary Extraordinary, number four. Today, I know I always say we have a special treat, but this really is a special treat, is that I cornered Sean Ivory to come talk with us for a little while. Um, This is the part you're going to hate about this, Sean, is that I'm going to talk about how awesome you are for a minute or two. And so Sean is like, first of all, the nicest guy. Like he is super upbeat. He's a Cascade ride leader. Um, I think when I moved here three years ago, you were one of the first people I met in the area just because you're so present. Like Sean was part of so many group rides. He's a like super high advocate in uh, Cascade Bicycle Club. On top of that, Sean has all these like interesting side projects he does too. Like you have the tool collection where Sean does his roadside tool finds where he, I don't know where you find them personally. Mostly on Avondale Road. (laughs) I was there today. I didn't see a single one, but he collects the tools. How many do you have? Hundreds. Like boxes. Um, He just finished a cross country tour where he was alone, pretty much wandering the wilderness on a bike for three months. Um, And just like countless number of activities and adventures. And you are a full-fledged mechanic. You went to bike mechanic school, like just really passionate about bikes. So I want to talk to you more about just like everything cycling and everything Sean today. (laughs) So, okay, let's start off, Sean. How did you find cycling initially? (laughs) Uh, one of the problems is that um, I have a hard time stopping telling stories once I start, <laughs> but I've told this story many times, and bicycles mean a lot to me for a couple reasons. I grew up really poor in northern New Mexico. So I had uh, My parents got divorced when I was young, and I lived with my mom, and she was underemployed for most of our childhood, and we didn't have a lot of money. And my grandfather passed away in 1973 or 1972, and she inherited a little money and bought me a 10-speed bicycle. And I lived a few miles out of town in Taos, New Mexico, and suddenly I could go anywhere on my bicycle. And it was a feeling of, uh, especially during the summer, utter freedom. In the morning, I would leave the house and I wouldn't come home until night. I had to fix my own bicycle. We couldn't. I didn't have money to take it to a mechanic, so if something broke, I had to fix it myself. There were no. I didn't have any manuals. I had a screwdriver and a pair of pliers, and I figured out how to fix everything by myself. And I felt, and it just, and it was the feeling of complete self-reliance that became the, a common thread in my enjoyment of cycling that persists to this day. Uh, so Later. were you always this like invested in bicycling? Like I'm picturing like ten year old Sean or twelve yes. year old Sean just like all about his bicycle. But... So I'm 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 I don't I, I seem to lack the ability to do things in moderation. So if I if I really like doing something, uh, I do it to excess. Um, it can be bad things, uh, like playing too much World of Warcraft. Or it could be good things like bicycling. And so there were periods when I was a child that bicycling was the thing I did to excess. Uh, but the I would say the mo- my, the modern era of cycling really started for me when I was about 18 years old. I lived I moved to San Diego. There's a long story. It's actually on my uh, 
my crazy guy on a bike blog. Um, there's a long story about. Did you read this by any chance? I haven't read this one. Okay. I'm gonna go read it. So I, I won't tell the whole story, but I'll just say I ended up penniless in down in San Diego, living in a residential hotel, which is basically a flop house with prostitutes and drug dealers and ex-convicts. I had no money, and I didn't even have money for the bus sometimes. And mm-hmm. a friend showed up. He was actually a friend of my dad's. Showed up in San Diego, Colorado, San Diego, California. And uh, to make a very long story short, he bought me a $10 bicycle, a $10 1972 Schwinn Varsity that was completely rusted. Uh, and and using whatever tools he had in his toolbox, I took this thing apart in this motel, this hotel room and put it back together as best I could, and it changed my life. I went from being penniless and trapped in this terrible situation to penniless and not trapped. Yeah. And I could go anywhere. I was completely under my own power. And uh, over the next couple years, I managed to claw my way out of this depressing situation. But along the way, I decided to focus my energy on bicycling instead of anything else. So I didn't buy a car. I stayed car free for years in San Diego and Colorado. And it was this feeling of freedom and self-reliance that in, in uh, that the bicycle inflamed and fed. Wow. So it's freedom. It's total like freedom. Bike equals freedom. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and, but then I moved back to California my bicycle got stolen um, in sort of in quick succession. My bicycle got stolen. I met my future wife. Uh, I went back to college uh, or went to college, had kids, became a computer programmer, and little by little bicycling just receded into the past. But all throughout for the next couple decades, even though I didn't ride a bicycle, I thought of myself as a cyclist. And about... Ten years ago, I was working at Microsoft, and one of my coworkers rode his bicycle to work every single day. His name was Mark Nickel, still a friend. He rode his bicycle to work every day during the winter, during the summer, and I started badgering him about riding riding a bicycle. And he was very patient, and he explained some things to me. How do you how do you commute during the winter? What kind of gear do you need? But I was still on the fence. And then I met Wes Salmon. And he was on the same team I was. He was a dedicated uh, commuter at the time, and uh, and I and I, I basically would park in his office and talk to him about commuting to work. And he just told me he told me what to do. He told me what kind kind of bicycle to get and what kind of gear. So I bought a bicycle and started riding it. I remember telling, okay, so July fourth, twenty fourteen, I had a, an old department store bike sitting in my garage. And I decided to go for a ride around the block. So I, I dug it out. It was there was crap piled on it. I dug it out of the garage, put air in the tires, and and rode it down the hill to the school by my house. And as I and when I turned to come back up the hill, as soon as I started pedaling, the left pedal broke off. The spindle was cracked. <laughs> so there's nothing I I couldn't get the old spindle out. Yeah. The bike was trashed. I guess I could have. I didn't know at the time, but I guess I could have replaced the cranks. But I walked it home, and my wife is super, super frugal and uh, doesn't like me to buy things impulsively. And I walked in the door and said, 
my bicycle broke. I'm going to go buy another bicycle. <laughs> and I waited three or four seconds for her to protest, and she didn't. So I hopped in my car and drove down to REI. And five minutes later, I walked out with a hybrid uh, REI Novara bicycle and and took it home. And I started riding every day from July 4th, 2014, uh, minus a couple times where I couldn't ride because of injuries. Yeah. I haven't missed three days in a row. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and I, I was so proud of myself. I remember telling one of my coworkers and, and really good friends, I ride five miles every day. And I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I was doing this five five mile loop. The first time I did it, yeah. I had to sit on my stairs for five minutes because my heart was beating so hard. I thought I was gonna die. I couldn't breathe. I could barely walk up the stairs. And after a month of this, I felt like I was ready to ride to work. So on a Saturday, would have been probably early August uh, 2014, I live in Cottage Lake and uh, Microsoft is at the top of the 520 hill. So I knew the hill was going to be the challenging part. So I parked in the at the park and ride in downtown Redmond and rode to the bottom of the 520 hill and rode up the 520 hill on a Saturday. And when I got to the top of the hill, I could see my chest going boom, 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 boom. Oh, no. <laughs> and I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And I called my wife and said, uh, I made it to the top of the hill, but I might be having a heart attack. And she said, why are you calling me? <laughs> and I said, I'm just going to go to my office and rest for a while. So I went to my office. I turned on a fan and sat in front of the fan for a half hour, sweat pouring off me. But I realized I can do this. So I did it again Sunday, yeah. uh, but I did it from home. So it was a, a 10 mile, 10 mile, 10 miles each way, 20 mile trip. That was probably my longest ride at that point. Okay. Uh, and from then on, I never, I missed four days until I left Microsoft, four days commuting, uh, I commuted every single day from then on because, as I mentioned, I don't do things in moderation. So That's incredible, Sean. Uh, and so how long is your commute, too? It was 10 miles. 10, 10 miles from Cottage Lake to my So 10 miles each way. 20 yes. miles away, 100 miles a week. Every, every day, even if it was snowing, I bought studded tires uh, so that I could ride in the snow. Uh, I was very dedicated to commuting. And that's early on, that's all I wanted to do was just ride my bike to and from work. Yeah. But my wife's best friend, her husband, is a Cascade ride leader, Scott Blackowitz, oh, yeah. and he had just done STP in one day, and I said, I'm going to ride to Portland. And, uh, and this was when I was still riding five miles a day, and I was like, I'll just do it by myself. I don't need to do STP. And uh, and I thought, if I can ride five miles, I could probably ride 200 miles. <laughs> so, I'll just do it this Saturday. So I started, it, took me, it took me a few weeks to realize, mm, maybe that's not how it works after all. Uh, and I tried to do a century ride uh, probably in September of that year, three months after I started riding. Yeah. And after 80 miles, I had to call my wife and say, can you come get me? Yeah. Uh, oh, in Kenmore. And this was on the this was a flat route on the trail. And... Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't do 100 miles. And so I, uh, I started thinking, I'm probably going to have to train to do STP. And to do that, I had to join uh, group rides. And I'd never done a group ride. I'd never, when I, I had never had any interest in riding with anybody else. I just wanted to ride by myself. And another thing I wanted to mention is that when I first started commuting, that's like a commute superhighway for Microsoft employees, that route. Yeah. They were uniformly unfriendly. Yeah, uh, they so, hardly. I do that commute now. They just no one talks to each other. Nobody. You get yeah. you get to the bottom of the 520 hill, and if you talk to anybody, the 
they'll either ignore you or they'll look at you like, why are you talking? We don't we don't talk. Yeah. And uh and, and so and I'm wearing I didn't have any fancy bike gear. I was just wearing like shorts and a t-shirt and uh and they really made me feel uh like an outsider. And, I, and this phrase I don't know where it came from, but this phrase would run through my head. These are not my people. They just weren't very friendly. And um and uh so anyway, I signed up to do this Cascade ride. The first one it was uh the ride leader was Abdul and it was uh, and it started in old, at Old Renton City Hall and went out to Alki Beach and back. And it's a nice flat ride, but I didn't really understand how elevation worked. I didn't didn't know how to read ride, ride with GPS, so I didn't really know what to expect. And I put a, a sort of frantic message on on the ride listing saying, "I'm not sure I can keep up, but I'll try." It was a steady ride, and uh, and I I drove down to Old Renton City Hall. And when I got there. I was looking at the cyclist gathering and they all had like racing bikes, carbon racing bikes, oh, no. <laughs> and they were wearing Lycra and I was in my shorts, my like floppy shorts on my uh, hybrid bike with panniers. Did it have a kickstand too? No, mm-hmm. but it had, but it, it, it was totally just a basic commuter bicycle. Yeah. And I looked at them and thought, these are not my people. And I was sitting in my car and I would have, and I was deciding whether to leave or not. And a ride leader rolled up. His name is Keith Miller. Have you met Keith Miller? I have not yet. He's my guardian angel. He rolled up to my car and said, are you here for the Cascade ride? And I said, I was thinking about it. And he said, what do you mean you're thinking about it? Get out of your car and let's go. So <laughs> under duress, I rode up to the group. And I remember one of my panniers, the only one clip was on, it was falling off. And a nice lady said, your pannier is falling off. <laughs> and so I got really embarrassed and put it back on. And, uh, and... And I felt really uncomfortable. I just didn't feel like I was every everybody there knew each other. The only person who was talking to me was Keith Miller. But he's he showed up just by coincidence on the next few rides and really made me feel welcome. And uh, what was the question I was answering? How did I how, <laughs> how did you find it? <laughs> yeah. It found you. Yes. That's what. That's so <laughs> little by little, I realized these are my people. The, I met this the, this group of people who are like-minded. Over the years, that group has grown. I think I've become more uh, understanding of the little the way clicks in cycling work. Yeah. But also, I've just, I just know more people, and so the universe of cycling friends has grown. Even people that I don't ride with that are that yeah. I'm still friends with. You transcend a lot of groups. Like I try to. You. Yeah, for the audience at home, like Sean has started this year leading steady rides, which is like 10 to 12 miles per hour. It's for people just starting. Leisurely. You Leisurely. don't even know what those <laughs> rides are. <laughs> and it's really hard to find ride leaders to lead them because usually to be a ride leader, you have to ride a lot. Like you usually do. And usually you, you become faster when you do that. So it's hard to get people who will lead leaders really for people just starting out, like Sean doing five miles. The reason I became a ride leader yeah. was to lead rides for beginners. Yeah. I If I'm going for a ride with a group, just to ride, yeah. then I, I'll ride at faster speeds. But if I'm leading a ride, I don't want to lead people who, they don't need, the people riding faster paces, they don't need a ride leader. They Some of them need a babysitter, but yeah. they don't need a ride leader. <laughs> uh, the people who don't know how to shift or don't know how to get on their bicycles or don't, don't know when to say, how to brake safely, those are the people I want to ride with yeah. because... I'm like those people that knock on your door and say, excuse me, do you have five minutes to talk about bicycling? Because yeah. <laughs> I true. think it's 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 been so uh, wonderful for me. 
But I also wanted to mention, this is totally, my obsession with cycling is totally a midlife crisis, but it's the best kind. Yeah. I'm reliving uh, this awesome period of my youth, and now I have the freedom to do it. Yeah, and you make new friends, and it's just, I, I see it happen to a lot of people, it's just very healthy. Like, you see them, like, have, look forward to every day when they were feeling the sense of loss of getting older and, like, yeah. things changing, and all of a sudden they discover cycling, and they're like, it's all about getting up that hill as yes. fast as I can, yes. or meeting new people, or going to the farther bakery, or there's so much joy. Which is the next question, is what brings you the most joy about cycling? Um, I would say it's it's really that feeling of self-reliance, and, and the bike tour I did this summer is sort of the the apex of that desire to be completely self-reliant yeah i like riding with groups but i really like riding alone and riding in places i haven't been and just having this feeling of if something happens i can take care of it that's why i went to bike mechanic school that's why i ride heavy bicycles and carry all kinds of extra stuff just in case yeah that you're totally ready i for me the the real enjoyment is i'm getting i'm getting where I need to or want to go under my own power. Yeah. I'm similar, except I'm less capable of fixing my bike than you are. So I go with like, oh, you know, like if Michael Boyer here, he'd joke about how like, you know, my rear brake fell off one ride and I was like, I don't need that. We'll what? finish the ride. It'll be okay. <laughs> and it's like, it's the same vein of self-reliance, but it's not the best kind. Like... <laughs> that's con- that's confidence we can do this yeah i was just like this is bad but i want to get to point b and it's either call an uber or finish the ride so your brake actually fell off yeah it literally the bolts came loose and it oh, fell no. off so i i heard it because it was hitting against the wheel yeah so. <laughs> yeah you're lucky it didn't go in the spokes oh gosh bad things see that's bad things happen to me but they never go as bad as possible good <laughs> okay so the next question I had for you is, do you consider yourself to be a competitive person? Like, it, do you compete against yourself via Strava challenges? Do you, are you purely recreational? Or like, do you sometimes feel the urge when like, you're going up a hill to beat the person next to you? Um, I am extremely competitive, but <laughs> in a way. So uh, anybody who commutes knows that everybody's always racing when they commute. But nobody admits that they're racing. Cat six. Yes, and uh, and 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 the goal is to look as nonchalant about passing people as you possibly can. And I would say, when I first started going up and down the 520 hill, the first couple months I was always the one that got passed. I never passed anybody. The first time I passed somebody, I was so elated yeah. until I discovered that it was a guy on a tandem riding alone. <laughs> oh, really? I, saw, I saw him getting closer, and I was like, I'm going to pass that guy. And then when I got closer, I was like, he's on a tandem, and he's by himself. So that kind of took the wind out of my sails. But hey, over, you still beat him. I did. That's right. <laughs> over time, I got as I got stronger, I started getting – I was able to pass most of the people on the hill uh, on my way to work. Um and so a, a phrase, I haven't heard anybody else say this, but I've always said, it's only a race if I'm winning. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. If, yeah. if they're way faster than that, I'm like, I wasn't racing. Uh, oh, this is so the, the commuter. Like, I do this yeah. all the time, too. Oh, I don't feel well today. Or, yeah. oh, I did a long ride yesterday. Or, yeah. 
Um, but I, so I'm, I'm really competitive in that regard, but I think, and, and I think almost everybody is, it's very rare to find somebody who's just like, yeah, okay, pass me. I don't care. Um, but mostly I like data. Yeah. I like to I like to hit certain mileage goals. Um, I like to I really love Strava challenges. Yeah. <laughs> um, right now I'm doing one that requires you to get two commutes a week, and because I'm retired, I don't have actual commutes. So I just take uh, if I go to lunch with somebody, I'm like, that's a commute. I didn't drive. It's a commute. It's definitely. I, I think it's probably violating the spirit of the law, but I'm like, I'm getting that Strava uh, badge. badge. Yes. I know. I think you're. I think that is what they're looking for is just like did you not drive a car that's a commute <laughs> well that's how i interpret it yeah. but then uh the love to ride thing that, that we do for the the um, may challenge and the november challenge yeah list those as he drove to work and i'm like no i didn't yeah uh, yeah see <laughs> they they interpret it differently so so i would say i'm really competitive but almost entirely with myself except for these little uh hill climbing things and and then I recognize, usually I'm on a, a much heavier bicycle, I recognize that I've already limited my ability to compete. And so I have, a, I think I have a healthy, uh, It's I'm not obsessed with being the first one up the hill. I almost want to put you in a race, like a fat bike race or something. Like, there's, yeah. there's a Winthrop, like, Mutal Valley, like, uh, fat bike winter race. I feel like you should do that one. Just like, out of nowhere, show up, take the gold. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I would take the gold, but I. I don't think I'm that kind of competitive. I'm sort yeah. of. Uh, I'm not an athlete by, genetically. I'm just not an athlete. Uh, I just like to ride my bicycle and I, ride it to excess. And so I've developed a certain level of fitness just because I'm always on my bicycle. But I'm just not. It's just not that. That's not my thing. Yeah. No. It's. You have an incredible base fitness. Like if you think about it, like how few people could just go ride a hundred miles tomorrow. Like of even the cyclists, you know, how many could just go and ride a century tomorrow. Like you could easily do that. It may not be pleasant at this time of year, the Pacific no. Northwest <laughs> with the rain in the dark, but, but I have no doubt that you could do it. In fact, you could probably do 200 miles and that's like less than 1% of people that even I know, like within my circle, are capable of doing that. I think c- cycling has definitely improved improved my cardiovascular fitness. Yeah, you're okay. immortal. You can go anywhere and climb all the hills. All the hills at a very slow rate. So this is actually this is a good segue again from that. Is like, what are you looking forward to in 2020? Like, um, so. I dreamed of doing the Trans Am since the early 1980s. It's uh-huh. it's basically a life lifelong dream, and it was really fun. And it was and uh, I don't know if I would say it was a life changing experience, but it it really was. I was able to fulfill a dream, and it lived up to my expectations. And that's a pretty rare thing, but I had to trade Pacific Northwest summer for it. Yeah. And our summers here make the eight months of gloom worthwhile yeah. and and i rolled back into town on september 3rd and it immediately started raining and it's been we we've had a nice november so far relative to other novembers yeah. but i'm really looking forward to the pacific northwest summer so cycling wise i don't have any big rides planned for 2020 but i plan to and now that i'm not working this will be my first summer 
first Pacific Northwest summer unemployed. And I plan to enjoy every day of the summer on my bicycle. So I'm going to be careful not to get injured. And uh, I just built a gravel bike. So I plan to get into gravel biking and maybe some bike packing, but all in this area. Have you thought about doing cross Washington? No. I'm thinking about doing something. I'm thinking about doing some really placid, uh, no, you can do that placidly. Like you don't have to be like Daniel Perry and right. Thomas Mayer and do it in like five days. You I don't know of anybody who reason. didn't do it like that. So my only frame of reference is that they, uh, they had like 30 people do the Grand Depart and only like 10 of them, I think, finished within seven days. Oh, really? So there's like it, a reasonable boundary that exists there. That sounds fun. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I've been watching some of my friends like. Uh, Michael and Machico, who have gotten really into bikepacking, thinking, I'm not sure I want to go with them because I think they're already on this crazy plateau. But uh, <laughs> but I want I want to start getting into that. So, but it's all going to be in this area. Yeah, I think I think you should look into that one. That would be my bonus. I want to see Sean do cross Washington because I think it it can be it's like the Trans Am, but you get to see like the underside of Washington in a way. Yeah. Like. And one of the things I really love doing uh, that I didn't get to do this year is the ride around Washington. It's a cascade oh, yeah. uh, supported tour. Uh, I'm re- that'll be in August and I'm really looking forward to doing that. Um, uh, it, I've seen much of Washington via ride around Washington. Yeah. I don't know what their route is this year, uh, but it, I think it'll, it'll it's going to be super fun. Yeah, that'll be great too. That's like, Pacific Northwest summer, you get to be here. Like, have you thought about going to like another country and biking across it? I've thought about it. I think the next, the next, if I do another tour, which is dependent on my wife Susan, yep. uh, uh, um, it would. I would like to do the Pacific Coast, ride from here to San Diego. I really like the idea of either riding from my house to somewhere or riding from somewhere to my house. That's the tour of the summer was people say, where are you going? I say, I'm just riding home. Yeah. I'll be there in 4,000 miles. <laughs> <laughs> just on my way home. Just somehow ended out here. Me too. Um, Those are the most satisfying rides when you start it and finish from home and you know it was entirely by bike. It's yes. It's like the most satisfying feeling. Just rolling, rolling into your own garage after some epic ride. Yeah. Like when Daniel tried to do the yeah. Rafa 500 in one ride. Yeah, like, you could do that. You could go around the Olympic Peninsula. Yes. And there's just, there's so, I've been thinking about this, too, like, of the things I want to do this summer. I'm like, maybe I should bike there. Like, let me go do a I think ride you should in bike Nebraska there. and just bike there. Yeah. And then bike home. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? I can't think of a good reason. Probably number of vacation days for me. But oh yeah, that's right. That's that's a that's a minor detail. I can save up for it, but but yeah, there's like Europe. You could go to Europe. You could go. I know Susan would love probably a week in Italy while you bike around the Dolomites or Tuscany. I'm assuming Susan's gonna listen to this, and yeah. we've talked about this before. <laughs> and I guarantee, if we went to Italy and then she didn't see me for a week because I was riding my bicycle, or she only saw me at night when I was tired and wanted to go to sleep. And she wanted to talk about the things she'd seen. That would probably be a bad thing for our marriage. Yeah. So if I'm going to go to Europe, I'd probably either have to go without her or go with her and leave my bicycle at home. 
you can't compromise with like Sean gets one day on the bike and one day fully with Susan and one day on the bike. I, I don't think that that would work. And also, I don't think I'm very good at compromise. So <laughs> if true. I had my bicycle, it'd be like, well, why can't I ride every day? <laughs> this is a consistent theme. You're right. You're, you're 100% invested if you're going to do it. Yes. Okay. So the last question I have here is what has been your favorite bike memory so far? Because you've had a lot of them. <laughs> um, the... I spent so much time dreaming about this bike tour. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell a little story. So yeah. I decide when I lived in San Diego and I decided to be car, be, be car free. That's when I found out that people rode their bicycles across the country. And that's when I started dreaming about doing it. And everybody has useful dreams that they have to leave behind. And for years I arranged my life around fulfilling this dream. And then when life when I took a different route and had to leave it behind, it, I was sad, but I accepted that I had to make it had to make that choice. When I started riding my bike again in 2014, within a month, I realized by early August, I realized I could still do this. Thanks to the internet, I realized until I'd done some research, I re- I thought only young people could do it, and then I realized most of the people doing it are either really young and doing it while camping and because they have no money yeah. or they're old retired people who have lots of free time and adequate finances so they can stay in motels yeah. and um i uh and i realized i could do it and that's why i bought my surly disc trucker in august 2014 i knew at that point i was going to do the trans am and so i spent five years preparing for it not training for it but figuring out how do i retire so I have the free time to do it. Um, uh, what route do I want to do? Just all accumulating gear because I try to get everything on sale and things like that. And then I built the bicycle. I built the wheels and the, the bicycle that I ended up taking. Um, that has to be the pinnacle of my bicycle experience so far. But it was that was sort of a long, slow, satisfying journey. There have been a few times when I was so happy, yeah. I had tears in my eyes. And and the one that always springs to mind is yeah. the first time I rode 100 miles, which would have been August or September 2014. Yeah. Uh, after that aborted one where I had to call my wife and say, can you go get me? I did it. And I saw a couple friends on the trail. Uh, one of them, I think you know, Amy Kay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw Amy and our mutual friend Brad Gibson on the trail and... They saw me coming and I said, I'm going to ride 100 miles. And I was so excited. And when I got home, I had had this huge white beard. I don't think I, I, don't <laughs> think I had that when you met me, but I had this huge white beard. And I had ridden through clouds of bugs and it was full of bugs. <laughs> and I walked in the house and I was and I, I couldn't even talk because I was so choked up. I was like, I rode 100 miles. Uh, the next year, my first full year of cycling, I I did around 40 century rides. Um, wow. Yes. Uh, because I, wow. Again, That's I don't, one a week I almost. Don't, yeah. And these were all on a heavy touring bicycle. It was for, I think, 16 weeks in a row I did a century every weekend. Um, uh, I um, How many miles a year do you bike on average? Uh, 
the the most I've ridden is just over twelve thousand miles a year. Okay. I probably average ten to twelve thousand, somewhere between ten and twelve thousand miles a year. Um, this year I I've ridden about ten thousand four hundred now. I think okay. uh, my goal for the year was ten thousand, even with the tour. I hurt my knee in January. I bought uh, it snowed, and I had been badgering my wife for a fat bike, and finally she's like, she said. Okay, fine. You can get a fat bike. She just did that to get me out of the house because I was driving her nuts. I went to Seattle. I found, I called all the bike stores and found a, a Surly Wednesday in stock in Seattle. Bought it. Told them, don't sell it. I'll buy it. It was my size. Brought it home. Went for my first ride. Fell down while I was clipped in. And it messed up the ligaments of my knee. And I couldn't ride. Um, and now... Not only did I, I would have returned that bike. I would have been like, "This bike hates me." Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Well, the, it's, it's really funny because I put clipless pedals on it, and Susan said, "Maybe you should ride with flat pedals for a while." And I said, "Flat pedals? I don't need flat pedals. <laughs> I, I ride my bicycle all the time." And then the first time I rode, I couldn't unclip, and I tipped over and hurt my knee. Um, and then not only now, now I'd paid for this bicycle and I couldn't ride it. So Susan had the worst of both worlds. I was w- sitting around the house whining because I couldn't ride <laughs> and we bought a new bicycle. I forgot why I, was, why I brought up the fat bike. I don't know. Good bike memories. Yes. You still, so you had the, the century was a great memory, like tears in your eyes. Yes. Like, is that just like based on you doing that? I accomplished, I, I felt like. At the time, it seemed like a huge accomplishment. Yeah. In two or three months of cycling, I went from uh, r- being really proud of riding five miles every day to <laughs> I'll just bang out a century. And then the next year, I was it was it was really awesome. Yeah, and no, like right now, what kind of rides give you like the most joy? Then, like if you have to think about the rides you've done in like the last month, which ones stand out to you? I like rides that have a purpose. So, uh, if you look if you look at my Strava feed, it's uh, I set up lunch lunches with all my friends and I ride to all of the all of the lunches. Yeah. Uh, it it it's super satisfying to get there under my own power and get home under my own power. Uh, I've been checking out a bunch of things from the library, yeah. and my wife said, says, "Do you want me to pick that up at the library?" I'm like, "Heck no." It's I want to I want to go pick it up at the library on my bicycle and bring it home. So rides that have a purpose. I think I'm not I I think my recreation is purposeful riding. Yeah. Uh, I can't. It's very painful for me to go on a training ride. Uh, a lot of our mutual friends do a lot of training rides on the Burke Gilman and like and yeah. Sammamish River Trail. I it's difficult for me to do that. It's just yeah. not I. For me, I, there has to be a goal, and the goal is usually having lunch or running errands. I just like to get on my bike and do things. Yeah, I totally get that. And I can't ride <laughs> on a train, right? When I broke my collarbone, January 2nd, 2017, maybe 2016, yeah. I rode from my house to Federal Way for a Chew series ride yeah. that was canceled because there was ice on the ground, and on the way back... I, crashed i i lost consciousness and broke my collarbone so i don't remember what happened uh but i was on the way home from the hospital i ordered a smart trainer so that i could use uh uh west salmon's software what's that called software fest or no the the one oh zwift Zwift, yeah Yeah. so i could use zwift 
So a couple days later, the smart trainer came and I was riding my my stationary bicycle with one hand. It was mind-numbingly boring. Even with Zwift, I was like, I don't know how people do this all winter long. You probably, I think you do it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm with you, Wes. Don't worry. (laughs) I love it. I just like, for me, it's like, just, it's a video game. And so I am the main character and I am trying to get all these jerseys and hit power numbers and there's lights flashing and like, it just takes any level of ADD I have and just like caters to it. It's like, I, I get the, I get the aspect of it being a video game. Yeah. But uh, for me, bicycling is all about getting somewhere. And, yes. and freedom. Uh, yes. And the so, trainer is like anti-freedom. Yes. It's like being a prisoner. <laughs> and and there's, I saw your picture on Facebook. There was like pools of sweat on yeah. the floor. <laughs> I was so disgusting when I used that trainer. Uh, I, I know Wes Salmon had to replace his derailleur because the sweat, the salt water from the sweat caused, I think the screws, uh, oh. yeah. This is going to be, for me, like, Tuna, who I was hit yeah. on. He's living his best life as the trainer oh, bike right now. I know. Because if it collapses, you'll just fall on your garage floor. You won't die. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> if the carbon decides to shatter, like, it's okay. It's right there. But, like, that's the problem. I've been, like, trying to do sweat maintenance on it. Like, yes. oh, let me clean you and, like, take care of you. But It's a low bar for – if it's a dedicated trainer bike, it doesn't have to – you don't ever have to take the derailleur off. Yeah. So if I wanted to give you like the most joy possible cycling, I'd give you like a mission. Like I have to have this package delivered to someone in Walla Walla. Here yes. Go, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That. Uh, and and actually, I didn't. I I don't think I identified it until this conversation. But I think that that's perfect for me. It's. Yeah. I have a meeting in Seattle or or lunch in Sammamish, and I have to get there. And, and it's perfect. satisfying to me to not drive. So basically what I'm hearing is we should create like letters we want delivered to people throughout the country. And I might suggest the post office during the winter, but I got a friend in Denver. You could mm-hmm. deliver and she and I write letters to each other. You Aww. could write you could write deliver one of my letters to her. That would be pretty funny. That would be great. Um so we have time for actually one more bonus question that I, I, this has come up a few times in the conversation is just like you mentioned your wife a lot and you guys have a really good, healthy relationship. Um, but she doesn't bike, right? She's not, at least not to the level you do. Uh, like, how do you guys balance that? Is it like there's three people in the relationship, like you, Susan, and the bike? or We might have to edit this out. Um, <laughs> so you name your bike Tuna. Yeah. I don't name any of my bicycles because I think she already suspects that I love the bicycles more than I love her. And it's not true, Susan. It isn't true. It isn't true. <laughs> um, I really love gadgets and machinery and tinkering and, and things like that. But I, I don't invest personality in my bicycles. Uh, and I def, definitely, I, I appreciate them as machines, but I don't love them. But um, I am, I have, so I have to confess that I have a, a mission to infect everybody with a fervor for cycling. Mm-hmm. And Susan's not an exception. And she's come on a few rides with me and I think uh, she always has fun. She doesn't like being bullied into things or, or, or manipulated, so I have to be super careful. But I've started posting rides on these leisurely rides that I'm leading. Yeah. My original goal for those was to lead some rides that Susan would go on. 
And uh, so far she hasn't been able to come mostly because of my bad planning, but it's still, it's still really rewarding for me to lead them. But my, I have a long-term goal of getting her to a level of enjoyment of cycling that it's something that we can do together. I can ride at any speed and enjoy it. It's for me, it's not about going 20 miles an hour. It's just about riding my bicycle. So if she wants, if she wants to join me and ride 12 miles an hour or 14 miles an hour, I can do that all day and have fun. Yeah. And you'll have the picnic basket on the back ready for Yes. Or, or anything just, uh, so in, I've seen that before from you. Like when yes. we did the Chelan tour together, like Sean was leading one of the like more moderate paced groups and you were totally happy. You were yes. like, I think there was a rider who's kind of struggling and you were like, Hey, let's go get some pie. There's a pie place right up the road. And like, I don't even know if that was a planned stop that you were just like, I don't remember. Yeah. You were like, this is a good place. We're going to go here. And you were as happy as a clam and they were too. And that, that was really actually very inspirational for me, who's like typical off doing my own crazy thing and then, you know, came back and met them at this pie place. It was just like, you brought a lot of joy to their lives by like putting that stop in there. Like they weren't going to ask for it. They were tired. They were working hard. They wanted to be there, but like it was hot. And you like recognize that. And rather than like selfishly be like, I want to bike as many pi- miles as possible. It was like, this recognition that like you wanted to make the experience as good as possible for everyone. (laughs) So the reason I became a ride leader was because I had a couple of unofficial mentors who bring that sort of no child left behind attitude to leading rides. Uh, Keith Miller, I mentioned before, Matt Wong, uh, Bob, I can't remember his last name. Uh, my CTS trainer, uh, my C- CTS ride leaders, Andres Monterubio. Um, that's kind of hard to say. These guys just care, cared about the riders, and they made. I watched them make people's experiences that would otherwise otherwise be unpleasant make them into awesome experiences. So when I'm leading, actually, even if I'm just on a cascade ride, my goal is always to make to look for the people who are struggling in or not having fun and try to make it fun because I want them to come back because I think cycling, again, it's uh, it's kind of a religion for me and I want everybody to have a positive experience. If I'm riding by myself, it I'm I will ride diff I don't ride the same way. But and it and it would be exhausting to always be riding for other people. So I, I do most of my riding by myself. Yeah, I get that. It's it's very it's something I struggle with, with leading in Cascade is like, how do I create the joy? I, I take a utilitarian perspective where I'm like, how can I create the joy for the most number of people? Yeah. Cause if you have 18 people on your ride, oh my gosh, it's so You can't hard. take care of everybody. You can't. Someone goes off the back. Someone's off the front. Someone disappears. Someone like, especially at the fast paces. Oh my That's gosh. why I said they need babysitters. They do need babysitters. <laughs> sorry. If anybody hears that, I'm sorry if I, if that was offensive, but, uh, but I actually, I don't like, I don't like riding in big groups of really strong riders because, yeah. uh, everybody rides too close and, uh, and I'd much, I, I prefer to ride a heavy bicycle with slower riders get the same workout without uh, feeling like you're uh, um, taking right my life in my hands. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're It's stressful. And whereas, like, 
That's why you're going to love gravel, too. Gravel's, like, very not stressful. Until your bike breaks down in the middle of nowhere, then. Until your bike falls off. Yeah. Were you on a gravel bike when that happened? Of course, yeah. I was. (laughs) And actually, I'll close on this. The funny story about that that Michael would tell you is um, that wasn't the most upsetting thing to me. Like, I was very casual. Like, oh, guys, my rear brake fell off. It's okay. Like, let's keep going. And they're like, what? It's like, no, 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 it's fine. But later we were hiking biking through the woods and like I was wearing one of my beloved Rafa jackets and there were all these brambles Mm. that started to rip it. And I was Mm. swearing up a storm like, if if I get my jacket ripped from this stupid ride, I'm going to be mad. And Michael was like, your perspective is completely out of scale. Like, brake falls off, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Jacket gets a rip. Oh my gosh, the world is over. I quit. <laughs> Did your jacket get ripped? No. It was, I was very, it was very dainty going through the woods, not ripping my jacket. That's pretty funny. I'm a very dainty gravel rider, but... <laughs> I, I doubt, somehow I doubt that. <laughs> but, um... I, I think that's about it, unless you have anything you want to close on to inspire. What are you going to do this year? Oh, I have lots of plans. I think I'm kind of taking a big step back from racing a bit, and I think I'm going to be focused more on, like, randoneering and long-distance stuff. Because I'm like you. I love it for the freedom. And racing is a different kind of freedom, but it's very stressful, whereas, like, my bikepacking trips and whatnot, they're incredible, and I love them, and they're always the highlights. Are you going to start doing serious randoneering, or are you thinking about doing Paris, Paris, Paris in four years? I don't know. I, yeah, I could set that goal. Four years from now, let's, who knows where I'll be? I only started cycling three years ago, so that that's like extrapolation. Have beyond. you done any randoneering yet? Um, not officially. So have you done? Have, are you? Are no, you but done? I've been a member of... Seattle randonneurs for several years and I still haven't done one uh and I think 2019 or 2020 might be the year of it so you and I are going to start together we might this would be fun I would ride with you I'd ride with you because you have fenders so you're you're in the yes. club <laughs> yes yes I have fenders on all of my bikes except the fat bike you can't put fenders on a fat bike you can put the like shield on it as John Weller calls those F.U. fenders. <laughs> they, are. they don't help the person behind you. <laughs> they are not Seattle-approved <laughs> yeah. fenders. No. You're not going to have friends with those no. fenders. Well, thank you so much, John. This thank is you. Just delightful. So thank you. Thanks. <laughs>